Greetings and welcome to Flanagan's Ecologic. I am your host, Ted Flanagan, and this episode of Ecologic features Econet News, Volume 26, Issue Number 1, January 31st, 2024. Flanagan's Net Positive Repair Cafes. Love this. Repair cafes are free, community-run meeting places where locals can bring broken items for volunteers to fix. This spirited movement is smack in the face of gross consumerism and planned obsolescence. Just a few decades ago, there were shops that repaired shoes, TVs, luggage, vacuum cleaners, and a number of other products. They've been wiped out in recent years. Repair cafes are allowing people to breathe new life into broken things. Frustrated with the throwaway culture, Dutch environmentalist Martine Postma came up with the rare repair cafe idea in 2009. The concept took root in Amsterdam. It has now become a global movement with cafes in Belgium, Germany, France, the UK, and the US and beyond. As of 2018, there were 1,300 repair cafes in over 30 countries. Repair cafes match the needs of the people. Many early repair cafes focused on clothing repairs with multiple sewing machines and their machinists busy at work for hours. A cafe might repair clothing one month and then shift to electronic repairs. The next repair items include electric kettles, toasters, coffee makers, hair dryers, CD players, scooters, vacuum cleaners, hedge trimmers, and lamps. Some work on gardening tools while others repair jewelry, repairing broken clasps and restringing beads. Other items repaired? Chairs, stuffed toys, suitcases, and umbrellas. At some repair cafes, there are spin-off activities for those whose materials are being repaired. Knife sharpening, seed swaps, live music, haircuts, massage chairs, classes on composting, chicken keeping, backyard gardening, and resilience building initiatives. The Home Espresso Repair Cafe in Seattle on Finney Avenue provides home espresso machine repair. Every repair cafe is independent, but all are guided and supported by Martine Postma's nonprofit Repair Cafe International, RCI. RCI offers a 49 euro digital startup kit. It also takes donations for its work, creating online content which features guidance on repairs. The organization also lobbies for goods to be more repairable. So is there one near me? I see that Transition Pasadena has been supporting repair cafes in the form of a free roving all-purpose repair shop for and by the community. I googled and found out that its most recent event was just days ago, January 27th at the Pasadena Senior Center. Closer, just found out that we have repair cafes right here in Glendale. Check it out. Quote of the month. We estimate that the number of wind turbines in the ocean likely surpassed the number of oil structures by the end of 2020. Researchers from Global Fishing Watch, University of Wisconsin, Duke, UC Santa Barbara, and Sky Truth. Their study documents $1.5 trillion in oceanic activities from fishing, shipping, and energy each year. 
2023 electric vehicle notes. Global EV sales. Some big numbers in 2023. Tesla manufactured 1.846 million EVs and delivered 1.809 million cars, beating its 2022 deliveries by 38%. Tesla's Model Y was the best-selling car in the world, making the first time that an EV earned that designation. BYD sold 1.6 million EVs in 2023, plus 1.4 million hybrids. Most of BYD's EVs sell at lower price points than Tesla's. Norway tops all nations with 82.4% of all car sales EVs. One-third of all private vehicles in Oslo are 100% battery electric. The biggest brands after Tesla are Toyota and Volkswagen. U.S. EV highlights. In 2023, EVs were nearly 10% of all new car purchases in America, up from 2% in 2020. At this pace, EVs will make up half of all new car sales by 2026. In California, over 25% of all new car sales are EVs, up from 7% in 2020. In the United States, Kelly Blue Book reports that 1.2 million EVs were purchased this past year. Tesla had 55% of the nation's EV sales and 4.2% of the overall U.S. market with over 650,000 EV deliveries. Hyundai owns 30% of Kia. Hyundai and Kia, while not technically the same company, have now surged ahead of Ford and GM to be the number two EV provider in the United States. Hyundai and Kia had sales of 117,000 units, or 8% of the EV market last year. Meanwhile, Toyota, now with 26 EV models, more than doubled its EV sales. Everything by wire. The remarkable pace of innovation in the EV space continues. An Israeli company, REE, is now rolling out a medium-sized truck with, with a totally revolutionary automotive concept. It features everything by wire technology. Instead of, instead of a lot of mechanical parts, the REE EV platform begins with a chassis. Then it's everything by wire. It has no engine or electric motor or drivetrain or steering rack or hydraulic braking system or suspension system either. Now imagine a chassis with four motor pods that are controlled electronically by the driver or autonomously. Each pod, or what its manufacturers are calling corner units, has steering, suspension, electric drive motors, transmission brakes, cooling, and the wheels themselves built in all controlled electronically, not mechanically. The entire corner unit can be bolted on and off in seconds, reportedly as fast as a tire change. REE Automotive has now certified the first X-by-Wire vehicle for use in the United States, receiving the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standard Certification and EPA approval. The result is a wide-open cargo space. Lithium-free Sodium-ion batteries. Sodium-ion batteries have a lower power density, but they're cheaper and perform better in cold weather. JAC Motors, a Volkswagen-backed Chinese automaker, is about to release the first mass-produced EV with a sodium-ion battery. It will do so through its Yiwei brand. The Yiwei EV 
will have a 25 kilowatt hour battery pack and a range of 157 miles. The new cars will use cylindrical sodium ion cells in a honeycomb structure, like cattle's cell to pack and BYD's blade battery configurations. VW has a 75% stake in JAC. It also has a 50% stake in its parent company. The other 50% is owned by the Chinese government. 2023 Renewables and Carbon Renewable energy grew at its fastest rate worldwide in 2023, with a growth that was over 50% higher than the 2022 growth rate. In fact, this is the 22nd year in a row of a record renewable energy growth. According to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, new addition of global renewable energy capacity reached 510 gigawatts last year. By the end of 2023, there was nearly 4 terawatts of global renewable capacity. Fully 75% of the 2023 growth was solar capacity. Europe, the U.S., and Brazil all exceeded their prior growth rates in solar. According to EIA, China's acceleration was extraordinary. In 2023, China commissioned as much solar as had been commissioned worldwide in 2022. China also developed record-setting wind capacity. Concurrently, solar prices dropped by 50% last year to historic low levels, 15 cents a watt. At Intersolar this month in San Diego, I was quoted panel pricing by a Jordanian company in the 22 to 25 cent per watt range. A report from Rethink Technology Research finds that panel prices, except the 2020 to 2022 pandemic years, have been falling 10 to 15% annually since the early 2000s. Analysts believe that panel prices will continue to fall to 9 cents a watt by 2030 and 7 cents by 2040. The report cites more than $100 billion invested in solar manufacturing production since 2020. Another similar analysis finds that solar energy is on track to make up more than half of global electricity production by the middle of this century, even without more ambitious climate policies. Carbon emissions. Rhodium reports that in 2023, the U.S. experienced something it hasn't since before the COVID-19 pandemic, a growing economy paired with shrinking greenhouse gas emissions. Rhodium research findings report that the U.S. built out of renewable energy helped to curb emissions by 1.9% in 2023, while the economy expanded 2.4%. Solar projects and utility-scale battery installations contributed to an 8% drop in U.S. power sector emissions from 2022 levels. Some more big domestic factors. Coal-fired generation hit a low last year, but there was more fossil gas used. Fossil gas is a new name for natural gas. Due to a relatively mild winter, Americans used less fuel for heating. There was also an uptick in residential use of all-electric heat pumps. On the other hand, there were increased emissions in transportation, driven in part by a post-pandemic rebound in jet fuel consumption. The American 1.9% decline is a big step, but the U.S. needs a 6.9% reduction every year until 2030 to meet the Paris Agreement pledge to cut emissions in half by that year. Jigger Shaw noted that 
these reductions may not be linear, that the out years may be very strong after a weak ramp up. A report in Science showed that pre-IRA, the U.S. would achieve a 25 to 31 percent reduction. With the IRA, the U.S. is poised to cut emissions by 33 to 40 percent by 2050, short of the mark and thus in focus. Win-win findings for vehicle grid integration. Exciting news for those of us that see great potential for EVs to support power grids and to do so in a win-win way for drivers and utilities. Imagine your car is a mobile battery that can charge cheaply and discharge, earning revenues while supporting your utility's load curve and reliability. A pilot vehicle grid integration program in Brooklyn, New York, sheds light on this scenario and its potential. The study involves only three vehicles, but its findings are encouraging. The National Renewable Energy Lab, NREL, analysis shows that EVs can earn money when participating in existing New York State Distributed Energy Incentive Programs. New York State offers incentives for distributed energy resources, such as solar, and in this case, EV batteries, through its unique, astute, and complex value stack system for distributed energy resources, called the VDER. The state's VDER program pays incentives for five services. These values can be stacked. In the pilot VGI program, three of the value stacks, five incentive tracks, were combined. The cars reap revenues for discharging and reducing demand when called upon. They also reaped locational benefits, special incentives for areas of the grid that the utility needs to shore up. Third, they got capacity payments for discharging coincident with peak demands. The study found that the most lucrative of the three was the first, the demand reduction value. In the summer of 2023, there were nearly 60 days when Consolidated Edison paid incentives for the vehicle's exports between 2 and 6 on non-holiday weekday afternoons. Revel installed the 15 kW bidirectional chargers for the Leaf's 62 kWh batteries. Other project partners were Nine Dot Energy and Fermata Energy. NREL provided the programming to determine the best times and locations to send energy from the EVs to the grid. The analysis reinforced the win-win opportunity at hand the potential for the EV driving public to shore up the grid. And since EVs are not regulated by the fire department, the study authors note that it may well be easier to cite EVs batteries in the urban environment than stationary batteries to address peak demands. Brooklyn Clean Energy Hub. Also in Brooklyn, in the Vinegar Hill area, a former and most formidable power plant has been raised and in its place will be the Brooklyn Clean Energy Hub. Instead of generating power on site, the hub will serve as a receiving station for offshore wind. Some call it the plug-in point. Initially, it will be able to receive 1,500 megawatts of offshore wind power, then up to 6,000 megawatts in the future. The Hudson Avenue Generating Station was famous in its day, built from 1924 to 1931 by the Brooklyn Edison Company. The 92-year-old brick building there housed the largest generator and commercial steam plant in the world at the time of its completion. The plant had a 770 megawatts of capacity, burning fossil fuels for almost a century. 
It was a pioneer in the cogeneration of power and steam, steam that it sent in tunnels under the East River to Manhattan. At the very end of its life, in 2011, Consolidated Edison closed the plant to clean its emissions from the combustion of dirty and expensive number six fuel oil. The new hub's architecture is sleek and modern and will be quite visible. Some say it will beautify Brooklyn's waterfront. The building is LEED certified. It will have a green roof and a rooftop solar array, and it will be sited five feet higher than the 100-year flood elevation criteria. It will also be able to withstand 130 mile per hour winds. The hub will disperse power using a network of underground transmission lines to various locations. Part of the power will fulfill the power requirements of John F. Kennedy Airport's expansion. Mandatory bio-waste separation and composting in France. Compulsory composting is in effect to slash emissions in France. As of January 1, 2024, organic waste recycling is mandatory there. The new compost obligatoire rules require separation of organic wastes on site. Prior to the new rule, only those restaurants, businesses, and institutions that generated more than five tons per year were required to separate organic wastes from the general waste stream. With support from the French government's Green Fund, municipalities must now provide residents with ways to sort bio-waste, including food scraps, vegetable peels, expired food, and garden waste. The obligation now is on local authorities to provide means for residents to comply. The waste will be turned into biogas or compost to replace chemical fertilizers. Organic waste from food and garden accounts for one-third of household waste. It typically ends up in landfills where it releases methane or incinerators where it releases CO2. In 2018, only 34% of the European Union's total bio-waste was collected. 40 million tons of potential soil nutrients were discarded that year. Under the EU's Waste Framework Directive, bio-waste collection is encouraged, but there are no mandatory targets. Milan has been a leader in this regard with bio-waste separation since 2014. Now France is stepping forward. Utility Innovation Octopus Style Octopus Energy is the United Kingdom's largest electricity retailer. It has grown to be a force in Europe. Using artificial intelligence and an Uber-based approach, it is building a new power system to control supply and demand of electricity. The British conglomerate entered the U.S. market in 2020 in Houston and in the Silicon Valley. Octopus is ramping up its focus in Texas using its renewable energy management system to offer cheaper prices to customers that agree to allow its control platform to shift demand from times of shortage to when there is abundant supply. Octopus explains that grid management used to be simple, turn on and off power plants accordingly. But now the power system has evolved and is made of numerous and widely dispersed solar and wind farms, grid-scale storage, interregional connections, and in the future with more and more grid-connected EVs with charged batteries on board. Just as Uber built its system around forecasting when and where drivers are needed, Octopus is using its Kraken AI to, to develop models to serve power. It aggregates customers who are open to flexible offers. Octopus is now valued at $7.8 billion, 
Its retail base has doubled in two years through rival acquisitions. The group's businesses include EV listening, installation of smart meters and EV chargers, heat pump manufacturing, and a multi-billion dollar renewable generation business. Octopus supplies 11% of the EVs in Britain. Most of these have chosen its smart charging option. Thanks to a shiftable load, Octopus can cut charging costs by 75%. Octopus even has a fan club that offers customers cheaper power when the Octopus wind turbines are turning full bore. Recycling solar panels. Believe it or not, the first generation of solar panels are now wearing out. In many cases, they are being eclipsed by larger and more powerful units. So what to do with obsolete panels? Landfilling of spent panels has been the norm. According to a University of Virginia professor, by 2050, solar waste could amount to 78 million tons globally. The EPA expects that as much as a million tons of solar panel waste per year by 2030. Right now, recycling panel costs as much as $30 per panel versus $1 per, per panel for landfilling. Introduce We Recycle Solar, a firm established to repurpose and recycle solar panels. Founded in 2019, it has recycled or remarketed more than 500,000 solar panels. Its Yuma processing facility takes in panels from all over the country. The head of the company, Adam Saghai, notes that green technology doesn't stay green once it is decommissioned or retired. It must be purposefully addressed. In Yuma, panels are gently separated and sorted, sorted by brand and model. Fully 60% are slated for testing and reuse. The company reports that customers around the world are seeking refurbished panels for their affordability. Panels that do not go to testing and resale head down a conveyor belt, where glass, metals, and other materials with value are separated. Robotic suction arms are used to separate the glass from other materials. The highest value materials are copper, silver, aluminum, glass, and crystalline silicon. The Yuma facility can process 7,500 panels a day, approximately 60 million pounds of PV material per year. It has six locations across the country and a main collection point in Hackettstown, New Jersey. Batteries bury coal in Hawaii. Celebrated this article shall be. Hawaii has closed its last coal plant, a 180-megawatt baseload plant in Oahu. Hawaii's last shipment of coal arrived in July of 2023. It's now spent. Coal, thanks to Hawaiian legislation, is now a thing of the past. And in its place, renewables and big batteries. The last coal plant was replaced with a record-sized battery installation to store intermittent renewable energy. The Kapolei Energy Storage Facility is on Oahu, 20 miles west of Honolulu. Located on eight acres of industrial land, white storage sheds are lined up, each the size of a shipping container, housing the batteries. Plus Power's Kapolei Battery Facility is made up of 158 megawatt of Tesla Megapacks, with 565 megawatt hours of storage. It has 185 megawatts of discharge capacity and is nearly instantaneous. The battery plant matches what the old coal plant could deliver, but lickety-split, it has a 250 millisecond response time. 
The installation can supply 17% of the island of Oahu's demand for three hours or six hours at half load. In 2022, Hawaii implemented another innovative plan to support the move to shut down the state's last coal plant, this one relying on the people. The Battery Plus program was launched. It subsidized households to install rooftop solar with batteries. In exchange, participating households feed power back into the grid at certain times when called upon to do so for two-hour periods in the evenings between 6 and 8.30 p.m. By the end of 2023, 40 megawatts of capacity was enrolled in the program on Oahu. Maui enrolled over 6 megawatts. That's it. Thanks for listening to Flanagan's Ecologic. We'll see you next time.